Bibles will also be on the screen or they're on your phones, however you choose to follow along this morning. Uh, how many parents do we have in the room? Just, just raise your hand. How many parents? Awesome. Good. Put your hands down. How many, how many grandparents do we have in the room? Awesome. How many do we have parents that, that are folks that hope to be parents one day? Anybody like that in the room? All right, a few of us, good, all right. Well, uh, we know this, that uh, we are a church made up of families, we're made up of individuals, uh, we uh, have parents and grandparents, we have those who desire to be parents, we have those who um, haven't been able to, uh, that, that haven't, don't have that uh, opportunity, and we want to be sensitive to that as well. And so, but we also want to always be faithful to God's word, and we want to be able to teach the principles and the truth of God's words, because we know this, parenting can be quite the challenge. As a matter of fact, just the other night, I was helping uh, Gabrielle get ready for her nightly bath. And I was uh, taking her hair bands out of her hair, and I noticed that there was this purple slime stuck and bald in her hair. Now, I did what every parent would do, and I asked her, Gabrielle, how did slime uh, get stuck in your hair? And she responded, "Um, well, Daddy, I... I was using my slime as a jump rope, and I guess it got stuck in my hair. I responded, well, sweetie, you can't use your slime as a jump rope. And she responded, well, Dad, I'm only five. How was I supposed to know that? (laughs) Point taken. So then over the next three or four minutes, Sarah and I, who are not, I'm not a barber. She's not a hairstylist. We got to spend time cutting the slime knots out of her hair. Maybe you have experienced that situation. I hope not, but maybe you have. Maybe it was something like this, or maybe it was another situation, like one that goes on frequently in our home. Son, pick up your room. Okay, Dad. Five minutes later, son, pick up your room. Okay, Dad, can I just finish this game? All right, son, yes, just get it done ASAP. 30 minutes later, son, why isn't your room picked up yet? Dad, I said I would do it. Son, is the game over? Yes, but I started another one. Okay, son, you're grounded. But why? And you know the rest of the evening and how it will go from there. Parenting can be quite the challenge, but it can also be quite the joy. And we all know it is definitely quite the responsibility. I sincerely love parenting. I feel privileged to even have the opportunity to be able to parent my children. There are days and there are times that I would just like just a few days off. But we know that that unfortunately doesn't happen. We don't get days off as parents. For those of you who are guests this morning, uh, my name is George Olmsted. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and our senior pastor will be back in the pulpit next week. Uh, but I get the opportunity to continue a two-part series, um, as Ryan said, and we're just looking at parenting one-on-one, I mean 101. And so uh, here's the deal. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to share with you that I was not the expert on marriage. And again, I must tell you, I am definitely not the expert here on parenting. As a matter of fact, there are many, many days that I feel very inadequate but I was telling a friend last week as in preparation for this sermon, I am so thankful for this, that God equips and uses the inadequate to, comp- to accomplish what he desires. 
And so maybe this morning you're like me and you feel inadequate at times to be a parent or, or maybe you are the one who has raised children and they are now out of your house and they're living on their own. And, and maybe you are now the grandparent and, and your role has changed and you are uh, watching your children raise children. I just picture my dad laughing as he watches us do this. Or maybe you are not yet a parent, but one day you will be. So wherever you are in this journey or role, I want to encourage you to do this, to know that God has provided such great instruction concerning godly parenting and that if we truly desire to be the best we can at this, we have the opportunity to do so. As I said this morning, we continue in the book of Ephesians. Last week, Grant began that two-part series entitled Parenting 101. In Ephesians 6, 4, was the foundational text, and it reads this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Well, the second phrase of this verse is really our root focus this morning that will launch us off into Deuteronomy. But Ephesians 6, 4b, I want to state it for you again, says, But bring them, who? Children, up in the discipline and instruction of of the Lord. So I can't help but think as Paul was writing this that he desired parents not only to become godly parents, but parents to raise up godly generation after godly generation. I also feel confident that Paul, due to his upbringing, uh, has Deuteronomy 6 on his mind when he's pinning this to the believers at Ephesus. And so because of this, I want us just to spend a little bit of time, or actually the majority of our time this morning, learning from Deuteronomy 6. If you've been a believer or part of a church or you've had parents or, uh, I mean, sorry, you've had children, uh, Deuteronomy, we've all had parents, right? Deuteronomy 6 uh, is a go-to text to help us give instruction. We understand Moses... Uh, is speaking to the Israelites here, but we believe here at Fellowship that the entire Word of God is used for instruction in righteousness, that the Old Testament and the New Testament tells one narrative of who Jesus Christ is and our need for Him as Savior, and that God's will will be accomplished. So we look to the whole book of the Bible to uh, really gain instruction in righteousness. So I want us to understand that in Deuteronomy, we're going to find ourselves uh, watching God paint a picture of what godly parenting looks like. And today we want to discover that pic within his word. And within this picture, we're going to see God's instructions to parents are these three things. We are to love, we're to lead, and we're to live. If you're looking for 101 ways to be the great parent, I'm only going to give you three today because I think these are the three most foundational uh, uh, things that we can add into our lives to make sure that we parent according to God's will and God's way and not according to our flesh or our desires. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 4 reads this. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it. Verse 2, I want you to highlight it or circle it so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life. And that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you. I want you to circle that as well, that it may be well with you. That you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So here's the deal. I think it's important that we realize uh, for us that Moses, as he preaches this to the Israelites, he speaks specifically to the point of raising up godly generations. Because when it 
We come to a sermon on parenting many times. What will happen, grandparents can feel left out or they can be left to wonder, like, really, what is my role now? Maybe there's those in our church who um, haven't had the opportunity to parent, but yet you're part of the local body and you've been called to disciple or mentor. And so you are part of pouring in and raising up godly generations. So this, this message is specifically for all of us this morning. We just have different perspectives from how we not only hear it, but how we live it. And so we want us to understand that, that by the words of Moses, we can see the important role of ga- grandparents as he states, so that you, your son, and who? Your grandson might fear the Lord, your God. Grandparents, we understand this. Your role is now different. But let me tell you, it's just as vital. You are to continue to pour into your grandchildren spiritually. You're to have fun with them. You're to encourage them. You're to be their cheerleader. But you're also to make sure they know the ways of the Lord. Now listen, it's not your job to parent. We understand your role has changed, but you still have that responsibility to continue to lead by example. And here's a few ways you can do this. Grandparents, share your testimony of and in through Christ. Point your grandchildren towards a relationship with Jesus. So grandparents, I want us to listen today, not being left out, but instead understanding there's a role that's vital that you feel. Parents, let's come back to us this morning. As we read verses 1 through 4, we see there's this very specific order on how to parent. It says, you, your son, your grandson. So listen, we must understand that we must have a relationship with God as parents before we can ever hope to raise up a godly generation. And our relationship needs to be defined, it needs to be determined, and it needs to be displayed. Again, it needs to be defined, determined, and displayed. What I mean by this, our relationship with God must be defined through our Savior, Jesus Christ. We must have had a point in time where we have repented of our sin and surrendered our life fully to him. As a parent, as a person, I must be defined by Christ. And here's what that definition, that defining looks like. I am uh, a new creation, set apart, fully defined by Christ and his character. And my responsibility is to pursue his holiness and his righteousness. So as a parent, not only must my relationship with God be defined by Christ, that salvific moment, but also that sanctifying process. But we honestly understand that my relationship with God must also be determined to pursue Christ. Listen, parents, there are days when we feel like we can't do this on our own. Can I tell you this morning? That's the truth. We cannot do this on our own. We must be in pursuit of a holy God who has sent the Holy Savior to allow us to to accomplish being a holy parent that he's designed us to be. And so we need to understand that pursuing Christ looks like this. It's putting away my desires. It's pursuing the desires of Christ. They are listed for us in 2 Peter when he tells us to pursue faith, virtue, and knowledge, self-control, and perseverance, and godliness, and brotherly kindness, and love. So along with being defined by Christ and having a determination to pursue Christ, parents, my relationship with God must now be on display for others to see. My relationship with God must be on display for others to see. And this is the moment that parenting truly begins. Anybody 
want to say anybody. Many people are able to have children. Having children and parenting children are two different things. And so we must understand that we have a responsibility, mom and dad, as we individually and as a couple, as we mature in our walk with Christ, we are putting God on display for our children to discover and to learn about. Because here's the thing. We cannot make our children fall in love with Jesus. We cannot determine that they attend church or be faithful to God. But what we can do is allow them to discover the faithful and loving and caring God that has given his life for them so that they too might one day want to pursue a relationship with him. Deuteronomy 6, 4-6 provides even greater insight for us as we look to understand our role as parents and how we are to live that out. What's it say in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6? It says again, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the, God, love the Lord your God, and I would underline this, it's probably already underlined in your Bible, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. So parents, how do we raise up godly generations? How do we parent confidently in Christ? Here's a few things for you this morning. As parents, we are called to love God passionately. We are to love God passionately. Verse 4 is called the Shema. And uh, Mike uh, uh, recited in Hebrew what that is as he read our text. If you're familiar with Judaism, you understand that devout Jews, Jews I'm sorry, devout Jews, uh, they recite this daily. The call to hear implies that the following words are very important and must be obeyed. What are we to hear? We're to hear this. Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is one. Yahweh is our God. Yahweh alone. It means that Yahweh and only Yahweh is the true and living God. And he is alone to be the object of our worship. The Lord proclaim, I'm sorry, proclaims in Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord. And there is no other besides me. There is no, uh, besides me, there is no God. Folks, he is the one God who exists in three co-equal, co-eternal persons. We see that in the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament. We see that throughout the word. So here's the deal. We cannot be parents that are causing confusion for our kids as to if there is more than one God. There can only be one in our household. And it's God, creator of the universe, the one who sent his son for us. The only way to know who God is, is how. It's through his written revelation. It's to us. He's given us his word. What is so great about the word of God? We know this, it's unchangeable. We know that his attributes are perfect. We know that the word of God is inerrant. It's infallible that we don't need to add to it or take away from it. We know that it is given to us perfectly so we might know a perfect God, a holy God, a righteous God. Listen, we don't need to teach our children about God through philosophies or mystical experiences or subjective feelings, but we teach them who God is through his written word. That's why Moses is emphasizing here the commandments, the statutes, the judgments. He even says these words. So loving God passionately is to be in love with his word and 
his ways. Listen, daily spending time with God is a way to show our children that we love God first and that we love God passionately. As we spend time in his word, we're, we're hearing his words. And as we digest his words, we, we begin to study them. And then what happens is, as we passionately love him, we know that it begins to become who we are. This is found in verse 5 and 6 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. We begin to learn how to love God with everything within us. Parents, this is key into being the parent God has called us to be. We are to love him with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. And we are, to, we are to consume him by putting him first. We are consumed from a loving God from the inside out. I want us to be very clear this morning. It is an impossibility to keep up the outward facade if the true relationship with Christ and the loving of him passionately is not burning from within the inside of our soul. Parents, our, our, our children are smart Boy, they're aware. They know exactly the God we are worshiping. And so I want us to be sure that as godly parents attempting to raise godly generations, that we become the same person in private and in public, that our children see the Christ-following parent both at home and outside the home. Listen, there needs to be absolutely no confusion as to whom mom and dad's loyalty, faith, and love are dedicated to. Who are we dedicated to, folks? Christ and Christ alone. Falling in love with his word. Following his ways without question or hesitation. Oh, we are to love God passionately. But, but more than that, we are, according to Deuteronomy 6, 7, 9, along with that, we are also to lead children intentionally. We are to lead children intentionally. Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9 reads, and and Mike read this for us, but we'll uh, reread it. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. We are to lead our children by intentionally teaching them the ways of, of the Lord. It's, it's, it's like this. We are to, as we teach them, we, we want to impress upon our children the desire to pursue Christ and Christ-likeness. We want it to be so understood that Christ is the way that everything we do is leaving an impression upon their heart and their soul. Like it's a non-negotiable. Like, listen, this is who Christ is, and this is how much mom and dad love him. And we too pray that one day you will fall in love with him as well. And we do that by impressing upon their hearts the ways of Christ. And we come at it from every angle and every situation. The idea here is to allow the time spent with the Lord to be so central in our life that what we take and what we read and what we've learned, what we've studied and what we are thinking about, we're doing that consistently and constantly. As a matter of fact, When pastors prepare a sermon, most of the time you get the outflow and the overflow of the many hours spent studying. It's the same thing as parenting. 
We are consuming so much of who the Lord is and how much he desires for us to follow him that we are parenting out of the overflow of what God has given us. Listen, we can never have too much of God and our, parent, and our children can never see that we have too much of God. We want to understand that as we parent, we get the opportunity to be talking about and impressing upon Godly, uh, upon our children godly things, and here's what we get to do. We get to do it in a real-life moment, in real-life situations. You thought about that? Some of the best parenting comes in the moment, and some of the worst parenting comes in the moment, doesn't it? But we are to be prepared for those moments. Here's what verse 7 says as Moses continues. Take the time to sit down in your house. Boy, this is such a valuable and vital time and opportunity for us. I would bet if we surveyed homes across the country that many homes, children are just spent in their, they spend more time in their rooms than they do in the living room. They spend more times on game systems or they spend more time um, on their phones or tablets or whatever that might be. If you surveyed this culture in this country, that's what we would find. And God has not called us to live together in our house separately where we don't even know each other. As a matter of fact, it's important that we find time each day to sit down with our children and to spend time talking about life. George, that's impossible. There's no way we can do that. No, I disagree. I believe God has given us instructions to spend time with our children and that each day we need to make the time to invest in conversations and time with our children. No TV, no phones, no tablets, just a specific time with no distractions. And all the kids in here are thinking that's impossible. Kids, it was possible way long time ago. It's still possible today. But parents, we've got to lead the way. What do we talk about in those situations? You, know, you survey a lot of parents and they're, they're fearful. They're like, I really don't know what to talk to my kids about. Can I just give you a few options? You can talk to them about the Word of God. You can talk to them about life. You can lead them through prayer. You can ask your child what their hopes and dreams are and what they revolve around. You can ask them what their favorite color is. You'd be amazed how far that conversation can go. But we want to invest intentionally. We want to lead them to the Lord. Sarah and I find very valuable time around our table and table talk. We learn so much about our kids during this time, and we take the opportunity to lead them intentionally to the Scripture and to the ways of God. And here's the cool thing. I shared this earlier. I'll share it again. Our boys, they've been so accustomed that table time and table talk happens that as they've gotten older, they like to get snacks in the, you know, late at night before they go to bed. And, and instead of finding themselves taking their snacks to their rooms, you know what they do? They like take that snack and they sit at the table. And they have their phone and their AirPods. But you know what that is? It's an opportunity that they're inviting me in to a place where they are. And as a parent, I have the privilege, responsibility, and I can walk into that moment anytime I want to. And here's how the conversation goes sometimes. Hey, son, how was your day? Uh. <laughs> hey, son, is anything bothering you? Uh. Hey, bud, can you just take the AirPod out? Just one of them out. Just one of them out. Uh. But here's the cool thing. Eventually we get through the us and it's like, hey, dad, man, I'm having a good day. Or, hey, dad, this happened at school. Or, hey, this is kind of something that's bothering my anxiety's up a little bit. 
It's amazing. But, but we've created that environment. We're not perfect in all things. I promise you that. You walk in our home and be like, okay, quit teaching. But at the end of the day, <laughs> what I'm saying is there are some things we found that work, and that's one of them. We're to spend time in our house together. But also he says this, when you walk by the way, he continues in verse 7, we are to lead and teach our children as we go. I love utilizing this passage in my parenting. Here's one of the coolest things. Like many times I'll need to run to the store, or I'll need to go make a visit or even stop by the office here at the church. And, and when those occasions arise, here's what I do. I go into all three of my kids and say, who wants, to ride, who wants to ride with dad to go do something real quick? You know how that response goes, right? They're paper, rock, scissors, who doesn't have to go? But at the end of the day, I'm, I don't ask them, will you go? I'm saying, who's coming with me? I'm inviting them in. I want you to come. Listen, this world we live in, guys, is an as-we-go kind of world, isn't it? It's going, going, going. Man, there's hardly any time to breathe. So here's the thing. I want you to write those three words down in your, in your notes today. As I go. But instead of I, I want you to put as we go. But take that extra time to have some car time with your children. It's amazing the conversations that come up. I get a chance to pour into my children. We get to have fun conversations. We get to uh, sing to, to, well, they don't let me sing, but we get to listen to music. We get to do a lot of different things. But, but here's what happens. We get to have some cool discussions. Here's some of the discussions I've had with my children just by saying, hey, will you want to go run an errand with me? We've had opportunities to talk about serving the poor and needy as we pass by the homeless person. We've had conversations of theology that they heard about in Bible study or from the pulpit or they come across in their schools, uh, different ideologies. We've had other discussions discerning what my kid's favorite color is or how God created the earth or, man, I've even had to attempt to answer the question, how long is forever? This car rides forever when you ask questions like that. (laughs) But listen, here's the cool thing. We live in a culture society that's always on the go and guess what? We need to take advantage of these opportunities as we go. One another quick example I think is encouraging is like if you need to go visit a friend in the hospital or you have some friends that are uh, in need and you're taking some food to them or you're just stopping by to make a visit with, with a friend, I think sometimes it's good to invite our children into that moment too. But George, I, I won't have time to really have conversation. Well, that conversation with that person is very, very needed. But training up our children the way they should go is really important. And so my kids have been to hospital visits with me I ask before time if I can bring them. But I want them to see how we care and nurture those who are sick and ill. They've been to me as we've dropped off food and learned to ask the question, hey, I know we can't stay long, you're busy, and we just want to drop off some food, or we want want to check on you, but how can we pray for you? And you know what? I've even encouraged my kids to be the ones to pray. Here's the thing. We make it a little more difficult than we need to sometimes. We're looking for all these opportunities when God's placed them right before us. Simply invite your kids into your life because they are you and your spouse's main responsibility. You know, when we think about caring and serving others, verse 7 continues to show us moments in which we can lead and teach. When you lie down, boy, those times of prayer and devotion or laughter or conversation before you go to bed, what an awesome opportunity. When you rise up, implies that the mornings are another opportunity to teach your children I don't know about you, um, in our house, we kind of have a rule, like, dad doesn't like to talk till like after 10 o'clock in the morning because he's just really, really not happy to be awake. <laughs> Sarah respects that so much because she doesn't like it either. But we have three kids who just love to either wake up in a great mood, a bad mood, and ask a thousand questions, <laughs> right? And so here's the deal. I can't, I can't choose not to have a conversation with them. Like, I really can't. I need to answer their questions. I need to be there for them. 
What happens when they wake up in a bad mood? I need to be able to set an example that, listen, there is joy in the morning. It's scriptural, all right? There is joy in the morning, all right? But here's the thing. I think it's important that we understand this, that, that we, we are creating such an environment at home, not a perfect environment, not a fake environment, but a godly environment. That our children, when they hear this, binding up God's commands on your hand, that they understand that our actions are going to speak what our words say. That our actions are going to affirm our words because they come from our heart. Actions allow our children to see we truly believe what we say. The old saying, more things are caught than taught. You remember that? Listen, let our children catch us openly and intentionally living out our love for Christ and our love for others. Let them walk in on us reading the Bible. Let them catch us praying, mom and dad. Let them catch us doing things that are right and pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. Then it says to put them on your doorpost. Again, that's the home. We've talked about the teaching that goes there. I want to encourage you, parents. It's not the church's responsibility. And parents, it's not the grandparents' responsibility to teach our children. It falls on us. And fathers, Ephesians 6 speaks to fathers. Deuteronomy speaks to fathers. Other areas speak to fathers. Fathers, it's our responsibility to lead in these moments. Moms, you have every responsibility as well to lead your children. But fathers, we are to do that based on the roles that we've been given. What we want to understand here is Moses is saying that everything you think and do from home to business should be permeated with God's word. Teach your children how the word applies to every area of their life. We are to lead children intentionally to and through God's word and God's way. Deuteronomy 6, 20 through 25, we're not going to read the whole thing. I just want to give you some thoughts on it. If you just mark it down to read it this week. But it does say this in verse 20, when your son asks you in a time to come, here's the thing, parents, questions are going to come. Questions about life, questions about God, questions about the, the Bible, questions about worldly influences and ideologies, they're going to come. And guess what? We need to answer our children's questions. We need to answer according to God and his word. We need to point them towards the Christian walk. And when our children ask about spiritual things, we must take time to explain spiritual truth and principles. We can't ignore it. We can't let it go. We can't leave it up to somebody else. We cannot shy away from speaking God's word and truth into our children's lives. Listen, take time to explain the Bible stories. Speak to God's salvation and grace. What we can't do is respond to our kids' questions by saying, hey, this is just what I believe, or this is because I said so. No, no, our children need to understand the why behind the things as they grow older, specifically the why of who God is and why he calls us to the life he calls us to. And I'll just give you a word of advice as well. I took this from a mentor a long time ago. It was such great advice. If you don't know an answer, just admit it to your children. Listen, I'll give you a little secret. They know you're not perfect and they know you're not God. They don't expect you to have all the answers. And you know, there's times I relish in the fact that I don't know the answer and I have to admit it. But you know what it does? It points me back to the word. Because now I get to go study and research and ask the question of God and say, how do I show this to my child? And we bring those answers back to them. 
Also in Deuteronomy 6.24, it says this, God's commands are for our good. God's commands for the pursuit of holiness and righteousness are because he cares for us and he wants to bless us. Obedience is the way to experience that blessing. And guess what? There are times as parents we are dismissive about the commands of God and this causes confusion to our children. Should we follow God here? Should we not? Folks, parents, we've got to make sure that we're living well, following and being obedient to Christ. Let me think about this. When you're driving, do you follow the rules of the road? Now, don't need to wait to answer that. For example, do you stop at the red light or do you run through it? The question would be, why is it important to stop? Well, one, it's the law, but two, it's there for protection and safety that you don't get T-boned, right? The same goes for the command of God. He isn't trying to cause us a miserable life as we live in his obedience. Instead, he's providing safety and protection, keeping us out of harm's way. Isn't that awesome? But we just have to pursue and follow. We want to see our kids follow Christ, fall in love with him, and know him. You know, one thing I want to speak to for just a moment is this. is Ephesians 6, 4b states this. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Part of that is the importance of corporate worship. Our desire here at Fellowship is simply that families would worship together for one hour in this sanctuary. As a matter of fact, we feel that that is so important that we ask you to worship with your children. Sometimes we have special days, but listen, we would love for your children to worship with you for one hour. And then take advantage of the second hour, either to serve together as a family or uh, to attend equipping classes or Bible studies for children or for for students. And and listen, we know everybody has different time frames and every different responsibilities, but, but it's our desire that we worship God. What happens in worship when families worship together? Here's what happens. Church statistics will tell you and life experiences is this. Families that worship together, the children as they leave the home are more likely at a higher rate to stay a part of corporate worship as they leave and grow older. You know why? Because they're watching mom and dad how they worship. They're also joining in in worship. Remember, part of our calling as parents is to prepare our children to leave our home one day. And so I would think, I would just encourage you to think through your Sunday morning your Sunday morning preferences, your Sunday morning ideology of, of, of how we worship together. Man, I had an opportunity this morning, and this is on a side note, but Gabrielle got to be in here for just a few minutes uh, uh, during worship. And, man, I love hearing little kids worship. What the girls did today was so awesome. But here's the deal. I got to sit there, and, and I didn't stand up during worship. I didn't sing during worship. I sat down with my daughter, and I whispered in her ears the lyrics to the song. Why? Because I want her to be able to enunciate that, to sing it. She definitely didn't want me singing in her ear. As a matter of fact, at one song, she's like, okay, you don't have to tell me the words anymore. She did say that. I mean, uh, she's like, I know the song. But here's the deal. I just want to encourage you, like, find a way. Be creative, parents. Like, like, whatever you can do to help your children know the Lord, do that in such a way that honors him. But let your kids know it's important that you're not just in here with me, but you're engaged in worship. The last thing we see this morning is this. Deuteronomy 10 through 19 challenges us to live life conscientiously. Conscientiously. There are three little passages I want to bring your attention to. Verse 12. Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord. Then watch yourself that you not forget the Lord. 
Parents and grandparents, this is vital for us. We must be careful to watch ourselves and keep the the Lord at the forefront of all we do. It's important to remember and speak to the faithfulness of the Lord. Parents and grandparents, our children and grandchildren need to know how God has worked in our lives. They need to know our salvation testimony. They should should know the ins and outs of that. They should hear the stories of how God not only redeemed us, but how he has continually been faithful to restore us and sanctify us and meet our needs. How he's worked in and through us to share the gospel and the list goes on. But we must always keep in the forefront of our mind how God is good and he's faithful As we watch ourselves, we also need to be reminded of verse 14 when Moses writes, you shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the people who surround you. Boy, this is such powerful wisdom instruction for you and I as parents and grandparents. Listen, there's no room for idol worship in our families. Our children do not need to be placed above the Lord. No matter what the world tells you, their priorities do not come first. And what they say doesn't go first. The Lord and his priorities come first and what he says goes. Listen, we are to love and lead our children well, but we also must show our children that living for the Lord will be countercultural, and that is 100% okay. Our children's education doesn't come first. Our children's sports or extracurricular activities do not come first. Worshiping the Lord with all we are comes first. Our children are not our first priority. Our spouse is not our first priority. Parents and grandparents, we are to protect our children from falling into idol worship. And that goes for us as well. We cannot be idolizing our career, our spouse, the nicer things of the world. Our children will know what we put before the Lord and who and what we worship. So let us be careful to live conscientiously and to have our priorities in the right order. Verse 17 helps us drive this home of chapter 6. In a world and a culture that desires to please self and to pursue the lust of the world, here's what it reads. Verse 17, you should diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with you. Parents and grandparents and the church as a whole, listen, if we truly desire to raise up godly generation after godly generation, that we must make a conscious effort to do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. And it looks like this. It's in every aspect of our life. Our thoughts, attitudes, words, deeds, schedules, possessions. We must be lived with a view towards pleasing the Lord. Why? Because our goal is to teach our kids to please God with all their lives. Why? Because ultimately they will be the ones who answer to God for their life. Mom and dad, it won't be us. Let that sink in for a second. They will stand before God on their own, and they will answer to whether they followed him or not. Why is it vital to be a parent that loves God passionately, who teaches intentionally, and who lives conscientiously? It's because their very soul depends upon it. I'll close with this. If you notice in your outline, you're going to find this cheesy, but sometimes cheesy sticks, and I'm fine with that. If you notice in your outline, we're called to love God passionately. Would you circle the P in passionately? Next, we're to lead our children intentionally. Would you circle the I in intentionally? And then last, we're to live life conscientiously. Circle the C in conscientiously. Take those three letters and see what they spell. It spells pick. Since the 1980s, the word pick has been accepted as a shortened form 
word for picture. This morning, we have a pick, a picture to point us in the right direction to help us carry out the awesome call of parenting. Hey, you may feel inadequate, but with God and through following his word, we can be equipped to not only handle this awesome responsibility, but we can absolutely thrive in it. God's instructions for parents, love him passionately, lead our children intentionally, live life conscientiously. This will propel us to raise godly generations who will take that baton of faith and do the same with their children and grandchildren. Can we pray this morning? Oh, Lord, you've called us to a moral excellence. And, Lord, you create that. You say we're a new creation in you, and your spirit will sanctify us and grow us. And, and Lord, we have to be willing to allow that to happen. So, God, we ask that this morning as parents that we will allow ourselves to be pruned. We'll allow ourselves to be challenged. We will allow ourselves to look at the picture of your word through Ephesians and Deuteronomy. And, Lord, that daily as we look at that pick, that we understand the importance of leading our life, our children to know you personally and to follow you in all their ways. Lord, let us delight in you, in our families. We love you, Jesus. Amen.